Well, good morning, New Covenant. How's everybody doing today? I want to welcome everybody online. Let's tell everybody online, hi. Glad you're joining us. Memorial Day weekend. Good crowd for Memorial Day weekend. Boy, it's so good. I was just thinking about the presence of God being here today. And uh, this is why you, you need to be in church, because there's just nothing like this, is there? And, and uh, I don't know what your history is with God or spiritual story is, but I remember the very first time I went to a gathering where people worshiped like this, and there was a presence that showed up. It was exhilarating, and I had no reference point for it. And maybe you're here, and you're like, I don't know what this is, but it kind of feels good. That's the presence of God. It's not group psychology. It's not our charm, you know. It is Him. And uh, God, when people who don't know Him get close to Him and get to know Him, first we're kind of afraid, and then we're convicted of sin, which we need to be. When we get right with God, we begin to experience this lifelong, exhilarating, sustaining, motivating presence. And the cool thing about knowing Jesus is it never gets old. Isn't that great? It never gets old. That's why eternity is going to be great. People who don't know God are not looking forward to going to heaven. They think it's one long, uh, boring church service. They just know the alternative is worse. You know? And that's kind of where I used to be. But uh, I can promise you it won't be boring because he's not boring. We have been in this series called Old Wells, Fresh Water. And the, uh, the theme scripture for that has been in Genesis 26 about Isaac. It says, he reopened the wells his father had dug, which the Philistines had filled in after Abraham's death. Isaac also restored the names Abraham had given them. Isaac's servants also dug in the Gerar Valley and discovered a well of fresh water. So we've been talking about different wells that have been distinctives of our church, that, that have, have refreshed and sustained many people for many years, and yet we're still digging, we're still refreshing out of those wells and finding new water as well. And I want to talk to you today about the well of purpose. Purpose has always been a big thing for us, and it's a big need in humanity. A lot of people struggle with what is my purpose. Uh, it's kind of one of the big um, life questions, you know, that uh, if you don't feel like you have an answer to that, life isn't really very enjoyable. So what is your purpose? You know, is it to, is it to, um, is it to just work? Is it to, is it to make a living? Is it to sell cars? Is it to do surgery? Is it to farm? Is it to work in the oil field? What is your purpose? You know, this is what young people really struggle with, but even as we get older, we can still struggle with it. The Bible is not silent on this issue. In Matthew 6, we don't have to figure one out. He's given it to us. If we're his, this is our purpose. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So this, whatever purpose you have underneath this, it must be underneath this. This must be the overarching theme of your life. You know, again... That's not for us to figure out what our purpose is. It's for us to discover from the one who made us, the one who died for us. And, uh, and then whatever skills, talents, opportunities, resources, relationships, all the other stuff that makes life, makes up life, comes underneath this. So it's very important that we understand this. Now, I want you to notice, he says, but, he starts the word with but, but sick first. But means instead of. 
instead of what? Well, if you go to Matthew 6, the whole chapter, which we don't have time to do this morning, you'll see instead of worrying about what you're gonna, how, how you're going to make a living, worrying about your provision, worrying about your home. Isn't it interesting? We buy these homes, and they take over our life. What are you going to do? I got to go work on my home. I got to go work on my yard. I got to go work on my home. I got to work on my yard. I get it. I understand. Good news is there's a purpose higher than that. It's just a place we live. Our job, our food, our clothing, where we live, our dwelling, all those things, they're necessary, and we have to give ourselves to them, but there's a higher purpose than that. So it's, it behooves us to understand what this means. What does it mean to seek first the kingdom of God? Well, the word kingdom obviously comes from the word king. And uh, it, a kingdom really is just a king and those who are under his rule or under his reign. It's kingdom, king and a kingdom. So the thing we need to understand about a king is a king is sovereign. Amen. I'm going to say this. A king is sovereign. I'll put the word up there. Sovereign. What does that mean? Well, the word reign is the root word here. A king has a reign. The word sovereign means above everything else. So a king, a true king, has a reign above every other person and entity that there is. Now, we know what a king is by history. We don't know what a king is by experience because we live under democracies. And we have governments, all the governments of the world used to be kingdoms. They used to be monarchies, and now they're democracies. So it can be, if we're not careful, that thinking can seep into our thinking about when we read the Bible and a lot of people kind of like don't really get that we're dealing with a king here a real king who can rule who rules without contest who who you know whose rulership honestly cannot be challenged let me give an example Philippians 2 this is about Jesus and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross. Now, he's our king because he was the co-creator of us. And that would be enough reason. Right. Let me just say that. But now God adds this, the cross. Therefore, because he did this, he, he, he was obedient to the, to the death of the cross. Therefore, God has also, also highly exalted him. Even be, beyond his role as our creator, which is enough for us to give our allegiance to him. Amen. But now he's added another, even higher reason. He, he made us, and then he paid for us. He bought us. He has given him a name, which is above every name, above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, of those in heaven, and of those on earth, and of those under the earth. Gosh, think about that. That covers every realm of existence. The people that have been, the people that are, and the people that have gone on, people that are in the grave, people that are in heaven, and the people like us on the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, this declared purpose of God, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. That is not, I hope, that is not God appealing to us. Please bow the knee. Please confess. God is saying, and we need to understand this, unequivocally, this will happen. The most ardent, raging atheist that walks the earth today will one day bow his knee and one day confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The most arrogant unbeliever on the planet 
who thinks this whole thing is a joke. Don't fear those people. Fear for those people. Because every knee, it, this will happen. This is what I, I pray I can impress upon you today. This absolutely will happen. The big question is, on which side of eternity will we bow the knee and will we confess? We can bow the knee on this side of death and into life. We can bow the knee on the other side. We will bow the knee on the other side and enter into eternal darkness, but it will happen. So the kingdom of God, this is the kingdom of God, his rule, his, his, his unchallenged rule. Now, this is important to understand this whole issue of the lordship of Christ because um, I don't know what, again, your story is, but my story is... I, I kind of went in and out of church and this, the Bible Belt, Southern Bible Belt churches, I visited a few, you know, before I gave my life to the Lord. And I got the impression that the kind of the teaching was, Savior now, Lord later. I don't know if you can relate to that. In other words, because we're not saved by works, we're saved by grace, we're saved through faith. We, we can't earn ourselves, which is absolutely 100% true. So lordship was almost seen as a work. And, and we just say, Lord, forgive me. Come into my life. Uh, and then if you really sell out, hopefully in the next 20 to 30 years of your life, before you die, hopefully you'll, you'll sell out and you'll make him Lord. And that has its own benefits too. It was treated almost as an option to the faith, not the core essence of the faith. Do you understand what I'm saying? So this Savior now, Lord, later, left a lot of people with unsurrendered lives in the church world. And, it, and I began to see, like, people would come down or answer altar calls or pray prayers. Or, and it, like, didn't take. You know what I mean? It's like, there really weren't any different. And I did that one day. I walked an aisle once, prayed a prayer. Lord, forgive me, come in my life. Please, amen. And it was like, can I just say, I was baptized that night. I was no different. In fact, I personally think I got on Satan's radar after that. <laughs> really. And I've seen this happen over and over. I mean, he began to offer me the kingdoms of the world after that. And I just went the other way. And, and I, after I got, I got saved by making Jesus Lord. And so I started studying this out. And I started asking myself the question, is making Jesus Lord necessary for salvation? And I want to present that question to you because you have to answer that question in your own mind and in your own heart. Do you have a Savior now, Lord, later theology? Or do you believe that real faith is making him Lord now, not later? For, see, because kind of what we're saying is, Lord, please forgive me my sins. And when I die, take me to heaven. But I'll take it from here. I got this for now. And here's what I found with most people who don't really give it all to Jesus. It's obviously a matter of trust. It's a matter of faith. And in a sense, who is your faith in? Because to make him Savior means you're putting your faith in him, Amen. which means you make him Lord. Amen. Now, if that challenges the theology, then I have done you a favor. That's right. You go study it for yourself. I've reached my conclusion. 
When I study the salvation scriptures, for instance, the one I've quoted a lot that gave me great encouragement when I was hit with doubts about my own salvation is Romans 10.9. And I want to put it up in the New Living Translation. It's Pastor Stephen's favorite, so I'll use his translation today. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, he didn't just say make him Lord, he said openly declare it. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be Say, this is not an option. This is not extra chrome on your salvation experience. This is not heavy leather padding in the seats. This is the core essence of what it means to be a Christian. Romans 14, 9. For to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again. Why? That he might be Lord. Everybody say Lord. Lord, Lord of both the dead and the living. We were created to be governed by God. Not in a robotic way, but in a voluntary, worshipful way, but governed nonetheless. And that, my friend, is the core essence of what the kingdom of God is. It is a king and his subjects. And I want to just, if I can, drive that point home because we're told by Jesus Every one of us, our purpose is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And so I, I just, I don't think we can overstate, I don't think we can overstate the consequences of this decision. Let me share with you the consequences of whether or not you make Jesus Lord or not. I, I personally believe there's many Good or bad consequences in this life. I mean, I'm, I want him Lord of my marriage, right? I want him Lord of my finances. I want him Lord of my, all the ancillary aspects of my life. But let's step across the line of death. And let's step into eternity. Let's see. In Revelation 20, this scripture, every time I read it, it moves me. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it. Look at this God we're dealing with. From whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. The known physical universe one day will vanish in the, in the face of him when that moment comes. Can you picture it? And these are, these are billions of people. The scale will be immense. The dead, small and great, rich and poor. Successful and unsuccessful, old and young, prime minister and peasants. Every single person will stand before this God. And there was no place found for them, the heavens and the earth. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And look at this. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works. By the things which were written in the books, the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades, it's, where we, it's a Greek word, which is we, we get our old English word for hell, were uh, delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. Now, I know this isn't popular. 
And when's the last time you guys sat around and talked about the lake of fire? Come on, you know? But it's real, friend. It is so real. It's real. And, and here's the thing about God. A couple things. He's, not, he's a king, so he's not running for re-election. And he's not grading on the curve. You know, in high school, you get mad at the people who make good grades. Is that, is that, was that your experience? Because they make you look bad. They were, they were messing with the curve. And that's why people don't, sometimes don't like people that really live for the Lord. They live righteous lives. Because all of a sudden, they become the reminder that there is a God that some people are really living their lives in accountability to. And if you're not, then you, you, don't, be, you don't want to be reminded of this. So, everything we're doing... And Jesus even said, every word we say, every idle word, this will get you right here. We will give account on the day of, on the, day of the Lord. So the books are being written. I've, I've talked to people who have visions of heaven, and, and they've seen these massive libraries and books. Can you just picture this, books? There's a book being written right now with your name on it. Did you know that? And everything you're doing and everything you're saying is being written down. Some of you are happy, some of you are not. Most of you, I'm not sure. You're not looking happy right now. And then there's another book. It's called the Book of Life. Now, what's, what's written in there? Our names are written if and when we come to that point where we say, Lord Jesus, I want you to, be, to save me and cleanse me. And be my Lord and Savior. And, and from what I can read in Scripture, that's when our name is written in the book of life. And I believe when we confess our sins, I believe He removes them. So thank God there is a potential for an eraser. You know? And then, after you get saved, what you're doing for the Lord, what you're doing from the Lord, being written down every day every day every every hour of every day and it will take eternity I mean it will take a long time for us to kind of hear the stories of everybody who enters into life so this to me I don't know how you respond to it but this is a, a fearsome thing for me really I tremble and uh, I, I, not because I doubt my salvation, but I know what's at stake for all humanity, good or bad, righteous and unrighteous. There's also the other side, and this is, that was Revelation 20, this is 22. You know, I, I just read, I read this again this week, and I would encourage you, it's really good to kind of, maybe once a month, just go to the end of the book. Really, it's, it's a clarifying focus. It's like, Okay, I need to, this kind of puts everything into perspective here, you know. And maybe you're just really getting tripped up over a little detail of life, and that you're not, that's not a big deal anymore, because this is where we're headed, guys. And there shall be no more curse. This is the righteous now. And the throne of God and of the Lamb of God shall be in it, and its servants shall serve, his servants shall serve him. So I don't know how 
But not only do we worship him, we serve him. Even in heaven. And serving is what we're all wired to do as well. So some of you are going to be real busy. If, if there was any uh, dirt in heaven, my, I know what my wife would be doing, you know. She'd be cleaning stuff up, you know. <laughs> so she's, I'm done, I'm done. She loves to clean. No, she doesn't, but she, she's, she's focused. Okay, they shall see his face and his, look at this part, and his name shall be on their foreheads. Have you ever read that? His name shall, you get marked by God. You know, we spend so much time talking about the mark of the beast. I just got a new credit card. Do I have the mark of the beast? More, worry more about getting the mark of God. Yeah. Worry more about being marked by God. If you get marked by God, you won't fall for the mark of the beast. Amen. That's the mark we want. Amen. Amen. The mark of God. So, keep reading. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun. For the Lord God gives them light and they shall reign forever and ever. Now, I don't know if you realize this, but God is light. And God shines light into dark places. And when you're away from God and you're rebellion to God, you don't want that. When you're right with God, you do want that. Even if it's a little awkward, you want it. Because whatever light you get, you quit tripping over that stuff, you know. It quits, it quits messing with you. So this is very powerful. Everyone has an incredible destiny. Either incredibly awesome or incredibly terrible. I just, our brains, we can't comprehend the glory of heaven. We also can't fully comprehend, in my opinion, the terrors of hell. Now think about it. The worst situation on earth will end. People who are in Auschwitz and died. People who go to prison for life. People who live in terrible relationships. Eventually it will end. Think about this for a minute. But the, the unbelievers will be in a, an environment that never ends. And they're conscious of it. It is conscious, unending torment. It is, is almost too terrible to imagine. And what's more, can I just say scary maybe or fearful, is according to Jesus, the majority will not choose life. Are you aware of that? We live in the Bible Belt and we kind of Everybody say, well, not even here, just so you know. <laughs> just so you know. It's probably even the minority here. I mean, you don't have to go to, you know, I won't say it because we're on camera, but some places where very, un, you're very um, secular places. But the majority, according to Jesus, will choose the wrong path. Jesus said it in Matthew 7, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. I like what the, I think it's the New Century Version says. The gate is small, the road is narrow, that leads to true life. Only a few people find that road. Few meaning relatively few. I personally believe there will be hundreds of millions of people in heaven, maybe a billion plus. I don't know. There's 8 billion people on the planet right now. You know? And that doesn't count all the people who've ever lived. So this should sober us all up. So you have to be narrow-minded to make it to heaven. 
Never forget that. You have to be narrow-minded. Don't be upset when people call you narrow-minded. He said, you are right. I am narrow-minded. I believe there's only one way. His name is Jesus. I believe the Bible is true cover to cover. So how does this, uh, how does this figure into seeking first the kingdom of God? Well, I'm glad you asked. So the lordship of Christ, the rule of life, to seek first the kingdom of God is to seek first the rule of God in your life. In other words, I, need, I want you to rule my life, Lord. I, want, I don't want to just pray a prayer, ask you to forgive me, and I'll take it from here. Because nothing's going to happen. God's not gonna, probably not going to respond to that. You're going to feel better because you made yourself feel better. But until you relinquish control of your life, to seek first the kingdom of God is first and foremost to say, I want you to rule in my life. This is an initial place you come to. This is when you get saved. Be my Lord. This is when I got saved. I said, Lord, before I used to say, save me. Now I'd say, make me. Make me the man you want me to be. And it felt like an absolute, as an 18-year-old kid, who felt his whole future was in front of him, you know. Life wasn't bad. It was good, really. I like a death sentence. It felt like a death sentence. I felt, I knew intuitively that there was going to be a death of, of probably everything and everyone I knew. Everything had to be put before the Lord. And you take away anything that's not yours. And, and you put in place everything that you want. You know, old, if any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away, all things so you got to put every relationship on the altar. you got to put, you know, your, your wishes, desires. Most people don't have a problem giving God their, their problems. They don't want to give God their potential. And you're saying to the God who made you, you got your potential better than he does. You're saying that to the God who made you, you know more about love than he does. You know more about joy than he does. See, that's what we're saying. That's why we must come to that point where we relinquish our lives unto him. Seek first the kingdom of God. And if you do that, obviously you're seeking first his righteousness. Um, I talked last week about, you know, bringing things to the cross. You first bring yourself to the cross. And then occasionally you keep seeing stuff that, you need to bring to the cross. Lord, that needs to die. That needs to die. That needs to die. I don't want that. Quit fighting. People go, well, it's so hard to live for the Lord. That's because you're doing it. Jesus said, if you lose your life, you'll find it. Man, this life he's given me is amazing. It is absolutely amazing. I didn't like my old life. I like this one. This one's better. You know? But you keep going across. And I remember after I got saved, I go to the, you know, I started going to church now. Hallelujah, it's what you do. You go to church, you know. And so the churches I went to, like we had altar calls all the time. All the time. Come down. Come down here. Come down here for this. Come down here for that. And, I'd, <laughs> and the Lord said, you need to go down there. I said, I'm saved. He goes, you got stuff. And I, I go, I went down last week. There's people going to look at me. They're going to wonder, that guy's jacked up. What's going on with him? And God would say, and that matters why? All right, oh, I see. I got pride. 
I got pride still. I got pride still. Don't you hate pride? Pride is so toxic. Think if we got rid of pride. What could happen? If we got rid of pride. So bring your pride. Bring your pride. Bring your pride. And I just kept coming until I didn't care what anybody thought. And I cannot tell you how freeing that is. That's when you start worshiping. That's when you start serving. That's when you start witnessing. That's when you start getting on mission with life. Because you don't care anymore what people think. That doesn't mean you got to act crazy. It's just like, I'm here. He matters. And no one can fulfill us. Amen? Like Jesus. Now you got me preaching. So seek first. <laughs> this is confined space. I'm not supposed to do that. So <clears throat> it's to seek his rule. Let me be real clear in your life. And then, by extension, what is our mission? What is our message? Our message is the kingdom of God, and our mission is the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. What does that mean? Now my job is to bring as many people as I can underneath his rule. Our message is clear now. Make Jesus Lord of your life. That's the salvation message. And I'm using, I'm leveraging everything God's given me. If you're a surgeon, if you're a farmer, if you own a business, if you work in the oil field, it doesn't matter. Those are just tools that are temporary for an eternal purpose and mission. And, and I have found that we're usually, you know, I like sharing Jesus, but I'm I found I don't really have, and I think most of us don't have a lot of effect on people that we don't know very well. You know, those random, hey, give you a card, and buy you a church, that's good. Sometimes they make it, most of the time they don't. The people that we're able to influence are the people that we know and they know us. And they need to, and they watched us. And that's why to witness, you must be a witness by how you live. But then you get attention. You attract attention. And it's not attention to you. Our mission in life is for not at the end of our days at our funeral to say he or she was a good person. Our mission in life is at the end of our days to say he or she knew God. And God made him a good person. But he's the source of goodness. There's none good but God. Jesus said that. So I pray today that it, that that... This is all super, super clear what it means to seek first the kingdom of God, to continue to walk under his rule. I pray this, you know, when we pray that prayer, the the Lord's prayer, the model prayer, your kingdom come. We're supposed to pray that every day. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. And I start talking about earth, this earth, my house is earth, my influence at job, the earth I'm in, the realm I'm in, and the realm I can be in. Lord, let your rule and your reign come. Extend your government into that person's life. Bring that person into the government of God. That's the prayer we pray. I like to say it like I pray. This is what I pray for me. Um, rule without rival. Rule without rival in me. I pray that. I want that. And, boy, life just gets good when that happens. You know, Jesus said, the king, Paul said, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. There's joy that comes when... When he's on the throne. Amen. So I want us to stand if we would. And um, I want us to pray about this for a minute. Father, we celebrate your goodness. Lord, I want to say you, we, 
we owe our allegiance to you, Jesus. Just because you're God, just because you're our creator, just because you know us better than we know ourselves. But then add to that, add to that. You died on the cross for us. You were obedient unto death. And that's another reason we belong to you. And we want to act on that allegiance today, Lord. Now, as you're standing before the Lord, let me just encourage you to take a minute and pray. Is there any area of my life, Lord, that I haven't given over to your rule? Is there any area of your life that you're saying, I got this. I'll call you if I need you. Have you fully surrendered your life to Jesus? Because to be on mission to bring other people into his kingdom, you've got to be experiencing that lifestyle yourself. You're the greatest advocate for something that you're experiencing. It's not a religious message now. It's life. So if there's any area of your life, can I just urge you to, to just step, step across that line and say, Lord, I, I don't want to hold on to this anymore. I'm not going to ask anybody to raise their hand. But do that now. And I'm going to invite our prayer team to come as we're just standing before the Lord. Because I felt like this morning, the way we were supposed to end this is some of you needed to come and just really give your heart to the Lord. Just really sell out. Some of you need to bring some things to the Lord, and maybe you want somebody to pray with you about that. And if you kind of know in your heart or suspect that this is what you need to do, and you find that there's a part of you that doesn't want to do that, let me just tell you what that is. It's called pride. <laughs> and I'm, I just want you, to, I want, I want you to nail that to the cross today. I want, uh, pride is, never gives us what it promises. It never gives us what it promises. It's always a false good news. It's always going to let us down every single time. So as we close, our team, this is how we're closing today. Our team's going to be here. And you just make your way to the front for any reason. And uh, I'm going to pray that God will help every person do that. Father, we thank you that as we come to the close of this service, if there's anybody that needs to sell out to you, they'll come. People that need to come for other reasons not related to this. We just commit our lives to you, Lord. And we enthrone you. That's what we do when we worship. We enthrone you on our praises, God. We give you praise and glory and honor. And we are glad. How many of you say, I am glad to bow my knee. I am glad to confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It is our joyful, constant declaration before you, Lord. Amen? Amen. Thanks for joining us today. I pray this message encouraged you, inspired you, and maybe even challenged you a little bit. If you made a decision for Jesus, we are celebrating with you. Welcome to the family of God. We would love to know about it. So message us online or you can text yes card to 903-200-3808 and let us know what decision you made. We want to come alongside you, help you find a local church. It's very important to be connected to the local body of Christ, whether with us or somewhere else. So let us know so we can help you and let you know your next steps with Jesus. I'd love to see you real soon in person, but until then, know that I'm praying for you. I'm praying God's best in your life. God bless you.